Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. Before we get into this episode, which is an absolutely iconic episode, we would like to tell y'all that we are going to be taking a three-week break just to refresh ourselves. I know, like, this episode is like a big mid-season finale cliffhanger, but you don't have to wait two months, you just have to wait three weeks. We promise. And our fresh episodes will air on November 16th, November 23rd, and November 30th. But if you head on over to Patreon, you can gain access to the content earlier than everyone else. And bonus content. Ooh, what is some of that bonus content we have set for our listeners, Caitlin? Well, we already have up there a John Tucker Must Die movie bonus episode where we discuss the heck out of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Basically every scene and we talk about all the funny scenes, the problematic scenes, and we just kind of swoon over John Tucker. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Ed swooned over uh, Chad Michael Murray and John Tucker. Well, not not Chad Michael Murray first. Well, actually, Chad Michael Murray and Jesse Metcalf. That would be hot, too. Um, Lucas <laughs> Scott talk and John that. Tucker. <laughs> we do. We swooned over <laughs> Sophia Bush because what kind of podcast would this be if we didn't? Yes. And yeah. Oh, God. This movie was hilarious. It was a lot of fun to talk about that. <laughs> but anyway, that's not all. We also have our uh, first ever and unreleased episode of Always and Forever that we ever recorded. And damn, that content is cringeworthy. <laughs> it's not that bad, <laughs> but it's it's funny because it's have you listened our to best friend. I haven't. You know, I haven't oh, listened to it. <laughs> but I, I bet you it's not as bad. It's fine. Just, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of talk about Chad Michael Murray's nipples that I talked about there was oh gosh i don't remember that there were interesting moments like that and and during our spoiler segment i noticed like you kept reminding people saying like hey you gotta turn this podcast off it's really funny actually it's really endearing <laughs> oh that that's hilarious so and on patreon we also have two episodes of our royal review patreon exclusive podcast where we talk about drama queens of course and it's completely unedited which is amazing <laughs> so you get to hear everything basically it's just a conversation jeremy and i have and you get to listen to it it's so much fun to record those because it's just like it's just like caitlin we're just handed out and we're just like, we're just recording our conversation for everybody else to hear basically it is so much fun. We go off on side tangents and everything that normally we'd be too afraid to keep in a regular episode. <laughs> it's been great. I know. Those are fun because it's just like we go wild, basically. <laughs> oh, hell, hell yeah. But in addition to that, in addition to all this bonus content, I know, like, we're already giving you so much. What more can we give you? You can access our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners. And some of the conversations have been happening in there. The community is small at the moment, but it has been a lot of fun to talk to our other our patrons. It's just been really great to get to know people. And we would really love to get to know you in there, too. And, of course, we talk about One Tree Hill, but we also talk about like things related to One Tree Hill. So... There's a lot of different content. Yeah, and just completely random stuff. Like, Caitlin, I saw that you were getting, like, uh, true crime podcast recommendations in I there. I know, yep. 
yeah, there's like a lot of like different channels that where you can just, you know, it doesn't have to even be related to one trio. Like we just want to talk to people, you know? And yeah. we hope all of you can talk to each other. It's a lot of fun. I love it. Oh, hell yeah. Visit patreon.com slash always OTH pod for more information about the rewards. All right. But enough from us. Let's get into this motherfucking episode. Because <laughs> this week we are discussing Don't Take Me For Granted, the 10th episode of season two, which was written by the creator of the show, directed by Lev L. Spiro. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that name. And originally aired on the WB on November 30th, 2004. As a reminder, this podcast is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is a place where everything's better and everything's safe. out at Lucas when she finds out that he didn't take the HCM test and forbids him from playing basketball until he agrees to do it. Nathan and the rest of the guys try to convince Lucas to take the test too. Brooke's windshield gets smashed and she assumes Felix is the culprit, but the audience finds out later that it was actually Mouth who did it when he was drunk and upset after the formal. Felix provides Brooke with the money to pay for the windshield even though he admits to her that he didn't smash it. He also shares a photo of his last girlfriend, who he really cared for, hoping to show Brooke that he's a different guy than she thinks. Later on, Felix tells Brooke that he truly cares for her and wants to be with her, and she reluctantly agrees to become his girlfriend. Meanwhile, Lucas tells Anna that he has feelings for someone else. Afterwards, Lucas shows up at Brooke's door and sadly sees Brooke with Felix. Dan asks Keith to be vice president of the dealership, and Keith decides to accept the position because he wants to stay in Tree Hill and explore his growing relationship with Jules. Keith leaves Jules a voicemail saying he loves her, and while Jules listens to the message, she's sitting next to Dan, who apparently puppeteered this whole relationship? Holy fucking shit! Nathan tells Haley to stop seeing Chris Keller, and at first she says no, but later agrees not to see him because she doesn't want Chris getting between them. Haley goes to Chris and tells him that they shouldn't work together anymore. Chris kisses her and tries to convince her to go to New York to perform in a show. Haley says no, but later on she shockingly shows up at the train station. Will she leave Nathan to become a rock star? I don't know! And to add to all the drama already going on in Tree Hill, someone wrote a homophobic slur on Peyton's locker. In order to make a statement, Peyton wears a shirt with the same slur written on it. When Principal Turner threatens to suspend her if she doesn't remove her Peyton takes off her shirt in the middle of the hallway. Anna apologizes to Peyton for not standing up for her. She also tells Peyton about the rumors of her having a relationship with a girl in her last school, which is why her family had to leave. Still in a dark place, Peyton meets up with Rick in order to get more cocaine. And then out of nowhere, Jake shows up. Holy shits. And in another completely out-of-nowhere turn, seriously, like, where the fuck did she come from? Uh, (laughs) Deb confesses to Karen that she slept with Keith after not being in the entire episode! Freaking out about the coda we can't talk about until the end. Uh, I'm Caitlin Illinich. <laughs> Is that shade for me telling you not to bring up anything until the very end? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> God.
calling me out. Yes, I did saw Caitlin before before recording us. I'm like, okay, like literally the coda is fucking huge in this episode. We can't talk about it until the end. Okay, nothing. We can't talk about anything. Oh my god. But anyway, uh, going to school, even though I was up all night from the formal the night before. Seriously, who puts a formal on a Sunday? I am Jeremy Rodriguez. I don't get that at all. <laughs> and I have to say this now, just because you said that. Did you realize the inconsistency in how the episode, the previous episode ended and the next one began? W- are you talking about like the fact how like Lucas and Brooke were like, th- they they went home in the early morning. When it was late outside. Yes. Yeah. And then in this episode, 210, we see the sun, like it's basically dawn. It's still dark. And then you see like Brooke's house in the dark. The window, you hear the window smashing. Yeah. When's it? When was her windshield smash? Yeah. So if they actually had come home, they would have seen that based Brooke on was- like the time of night it was. Wild. That really bothered me. That is a me. great... Oh, God. That is a great point. <laughs> I just thought this whole thing was so funny, though. Like, gee, like there's no way these motherfuckers will be, going to, will be going to school the next morning. Like, remember our senior prom? Our senior prom was on a Saturday, and then, like, the following Monday was, like, senior cut day. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, like, a Monday. <laughs> nobody went to school. I know, right? This is the next day. <laughs> And they There's were at, no like, life. a beach house party. Yes. No one put, no school puts a formal on a whatever day it was. A, a Sunday. It, it was a Sunday? Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you said. Okay. Yeah, there's a line where uh, Nathan says, like, why would they put a formal on a Sunday? And then Lucas is like, well, you know, probably to make sure that kids don't stay up all night drinking. Ho, ho. And then, obviously, that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But anyway, let's talk about the song this episode is named after. Don't Take Me For Granted by Social Distortion. So my thoughts were, and this seems to be becoming a pattern, but the title of the song really was more relevant than the lyrics itself. (laughs) (laughs) And the first thing that I thought of was the whole like Nathan and Haley thing. Like, I feel like Haley, I think you could perceive it in a way that she's taken Nathan for granted a little bit. I get, I respect her. Well, so we can't talk about the coda, so. <laughs> I'm done. You, Episode you, over. <laughs> you can touch on something very subtly, you know. <laughs> okay, so I respect her wanting a music career. But at the same time, yes. I feel like, I, I don't know. It's like she's making a choice between the two, but I don't, maybe Nathan is the one who's really making her make the choice. In the end. Yeah. So you could, I guess you could analyze the heck out of this, but in a way, I feel like she is taking him for granted in this case a little bit. Okay. I can say that. I mean, I have a lot to say later on about this story when we get to it, but yeah. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> what were your thoughts about this song? Um, so the chorus really resonated with me. The lyrics are, so take me down the road, take me to the show. It's something to believe in that no one else knows but it's all take me for granted. And I feel like uh, this will apply uh, specifically with uh, Brooke is taking the chance to be with Felix. See, I broke my own rule. I'm talking a little bit about the coda. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lucas is taking a chance just in general about like, you know, confessing his feelings for a girl who shall remain nameless for now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
There is uh, Keith uh, taking a chance with Jules. He decides not to take the job in Charleston. He decides to uh, stay in Tree Hill and take a chance on that relationship. And then, I mean, we can also apply this to Jules, too, because Jules has taken a chance to go through with whatever she has cooking up. I'm not entirely sure what that is. Yeah, I kind of see, like, the song is basically saying, like, it's referring to some kind of relationship. Like, we can be together, but please don't take me for granted, you know, in Mm -hmm. the end. Like, don't, let's not have that relationship, you know, kind of go down that path where, like, you're taking me for granted and... It won't work out in the end. It can also apply specifically to uh, Felix's line at the ads where he says, I never once took you for granted. Not for a second. Oh, true. He does say that. He does say that. I fucking hate it still, but. <laughs> oh, wow. I completely, I obviously remember that scene and, and he said that, but I, yeah. I didn't think about it when I was analyzing the song. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so that's, like, a specific, like, call-out. And, you know, Brooke is, like, jumping into this thing, realize, you know, trying to think, like, hey, don't take me for granted. She doesn't want to be taken for granted. That's, like, you know, she didn't need to say that, obviously. But Felix, like, reassures her, so she didn't have to say that. For sure. And I feel like Nathan is kind of feeling a little bit, just to refer back to what I said earlier, I think he's feeling a little left behind with Haley. So that that's where I, mm-hmm. I think you could perceive you know, perceive that in that relationship right now. Yeah. He's feeling that, but I definitely think he needs to... I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying what I noticed. I'll go off on a tangent. I don't want to go off on the tangent right now, so... (laughs) That's gonna be... It's gonna be later. Well, you know, in a few conversations from now. Until then, let's talk about this opening voiceover from Lucas. It is a quote from Nathaniel Hawthorne in The Scarlet Letter. Would you like to read that quote, Caitlin? Sure. No man, for any considerable period, can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which may be the true. Which may be the true. That's that's what it actually says. Yep. Oh, wow. Which may be the, the true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just want to verify that. Well, this novel was written was... in like the 1800s, so... <laughs> yes. The Scarlet Letter, this was a book I actually read. Yeah, back in high school, I read this, too. Yeah. No, the funny thing is, like, we were definitely assigned this junior year of high school. I did not read it then. I read the Spark Notes. But I read it a few years later. Really? For pleasure. Yes. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I read it a few years later for for pure pleasure, and I actually really like this book, believe it or not. It's totally... Really? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, like, the larger message behind the story that I just, like, that always really resonated with me. I didn't even feel like I, I knew that I liked stories like this until recently, but it makes sense why the Scarlet Letter resonates with me. Yeah, I mean, definitely there's some really good themes in, in the book, and I had mm-hmm. to read, like, a refresher because I haven't read it since high school. Yeah, do you want to give the, yeah, give our listeners a refresher on the Scarlet Letter or... Yeah, so basically we have Hester, the main character... She becomes pregnant, and she cheated on her husband, but her husband apparently, as as I was reading the recap, her husband was, like, lost at sea or something. Yeah, she didn't think her husband was going to come back, I believe, yeah. So Mm -hmm. she has this baby, but she won't tell anyone, like, who the father is of the baby. And she's forced, she's punished by the community. This was a Puritan community, really, you know, conservative and this is set, oh gosh, when was this set? 
during the years of 1642 to 1649. I have the Wikipedia page up. Okay, cool. I was going to say, I don't recall. Anyway, (laughs) she's punished by the community and she's forced to wear the scarlet letter A for adulterer. And she's shamed in the community. Yep. But then she ends up where she ends up wearing the scarlet A as like a source of pride after that. Yes. And then like the, the A can be different things. Like you know, one of the things that um, many like researchers and analysts have said is that uh, the A can stand for angel. Okay. Yeah, it can mean like multiple things. Um, but yeah, she wears it as a source of pride. She's like, hey, like everybody else is gonna shame me, but you know what? Like she basically just says like I don't give a fuck. So Hester Prynne badass and also <laughs> what i was reading as the letter a could stand for able which re- able. represents like her strength overall that's what i was oh, reading oh i like yeah. that yeah that's a good twist yeah for sure and um yeah what were your thoughts on that quote and why do you think they opened the episode with us i think the quote is basically saying like you can't hide who you are like you can't be one thing to one person and another thing to the world like you can't be all these different things or hide yourself and i i think a, a lot of the characters are kind of facing that conflict right now like if you think about Haley's identity is shifting um peyton is kind of she's going through a crisis right now she doesn't really know who she is she has a lot more going on but i, I feel like she doesn't really know who she is right now Mm-hmm. And a, a little thing to add to Peyton, I'll, I'll let you finish after I say, okay. after I say this, um, but I listened to the audio commentary, and the creator of the show actually compared uh, Peyton wearing the t-shirt with the homophobic slur on it. Like, and think about this, too. It's written in red letters as well. Yeah. Like, so he actually made the comparison to Peyton, like, you know, wearing the scarlet letter. And then also, too, like, you know, she, you know, she takes her shirt off, too. She's wearing a red bra. True. So I feel like there's, like, a lot, like, you know... There's a lot of intentional stuff happening right there. Wow, that really is a symbol then. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that they were thinking of it in that way. And I know we'll talk yeah. more about this later, that yeah. whole storyline. Because think about it, she's using it, you know, she's being shamed. And just, you know, Peyton decides to say, like, you know what, fuck you all. I'm going to wear this proudly if you all think this. I kind of love that. Not that I agree with her wearing the shirt and with that slur on it, but in a way... She's kind of owning it to fight back against yeah, these oppressors. I mean, I don't yeah, know. you don't agree with her wearing a shirt? Do you agree with it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Why? I don't know if that was the right thing to do in that situation. As an act of activism, I think it was wonderful. Um, I do have issues with how this storyline is used as a vehicle for other things, and I'll, that's something we'll get to later. <laughs> yeah, but, we need to unpack this, because I'm really not sure what I feel about it. I, I like yeah. how she's standing up against the oppressor here. But if I think about what I would do in that situation, I wouldn't be wearing a shirt like that, because I feel like that would offend people even more, because she she doesn't consider herself... As far as we know, she doesn't consider herself gay, right? Right. Yeah. So is it right for her to do that? Uh, okay, we'll unpack that story we, we that point of the discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everything we're talking about is like, okay, we'll unpack that later. Okay, we'll unpack that later. Anyway, what, what else What else about this quote? Talk um, to me. <laughs> let me see. Well, can you think of any other characters who are kind of wearing two faces or multiple faces? I mean, there's Lucas, who is hiding behind this relationship with Anna despite the fact that he has feelings for somebody else. Oh, true. True. That's a good way to look at it. 
I like that. Did we say Brooke? Brooke, I also feel like she doesn't really know who she is and what she wants. Mm-hmm. We see Anna is also, like, being true to herself a little bit in this episode. Like, she's telling, you know, she finally comes clean about, like, what these rumors were that were started about her in her old school. Yeah, because that was, that was all secret, and now she's she's finally, like, sharing that with someone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, th- I think that quote really is relatable to everything that's going on in this episode, basically. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, shall we talk about the uh, daily of it all in this episode? Oh, boy. <laughs> Where do we begin? <laughs> Honestly, there's a lot of, like, back and forth in this episode. Like, first, Haley stands up to Nathan and says, no, she's not going to stop seeing Chris. And then later she says she's going to stop seeing Chris. And then she ends up going to Chris and saying, we can't see each other. We can't work together anymore. And she's, but she's not, and she's not going to go perform with him. And then at the end, which we'll get to later, she makes another decision. Yeah. And we're like, what is she going to do? She's yeah. just constant, like, back and forth this entire episode. Mm-hmm. And something I need to, I feel like needs to be said in regard to all this. Um, so... For one thing, Nathan is asking Haley to stop working with stop working with Chris, but it doesn't seem like he's concerned about her. It doesn't seem like he's concerned about like you know this guy taking advantage of her. And I know we talked about this in previous episodes because at the end of the day, like that uh that whole conversation where Chris says like do you know how many guys want to ban your wife tonight? Like only Nathan knows about that conversation as far as we know. Yeah, that's true. And so it's it, it doesn't seem like he's, like, really concerned for, like, Haley's safety in this situation. He's more concerned about, like, his ego and being like, oh, my God, like, you know, Haley, you like him, blah, blah, blah. It seems like such a leap, though. Like, just because she's working with him, like, she suddenly has feelings for him. I know she yeah. lied about recording, but, like, it seems like such a big leap, this, this whole storyline. Yes. And I feel like this also needs to be said, too. I mean, like, you know, it, it, this was, like... Obviously, Chris is not framed this way in the episode, or at all, like in any of these, the episodes this season. I feel like Chris is a sexual predator. Because if you think about it, like, you know, there's a woman that he's working with. He he kind of has, like, a little bit of power over her. And at the end of the day, like, he is taking advantage of her. He's, like, trying to say, like, hey, like, look at all I can do for you. And then he kisses her and uses that as, like, some type of a, a emotional manipulation tactic. And I just think that's... A lot right there. And honestly, and I'm not going to go deep into, like, what the creator of the show did behind the scenes. This is no surprise, considering, like, some of the shit that he did behind the scenes. Yeah, that's true. It is, like, manipulation. Trying to convince her to go, and he's kissing her. And I feel like this kiss comes out of nowhere. Like, I don't like where where this this is headed. I'm just going to say that right now. And did Haley kiss him back? I don't think... It's supposed to look that way. Well, it does. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely does look that way. He's definitely the one who pulls her in. And yeah, she doesn't pull away, but I don't necessarily blame her for that. Because I I, I don't know. It just seems like, like, what are you supposed to do with that? I mean, yeah, you can slap him, of course, but... I'm not sure. I don't know. No, I'm not really sure what you're supposed to do in that situation either. Yeah. But you would think, like, if you were totally not into it, you'd be like, I mean, I know I would be, like, jerking back. Yeah. You know? Right right away. Like, whoa, that is not what I want. 
I guess if, like, you know, he's a good kisser, you'd like the kiss. I mean, you know, feelings can be complicated, you know what I mean? Um, just because you love Nathan, you can still, like, oh, God, like, this cute guy is kissing me. Like, enjoy it for a second. And then, um, essentially figure out your feelings later, you know? Oh, boy, that's complicated. It really is. That's really complicated. (laughs) But but I feel like this whole thing, again, to compare compare Chris to the creator of the show, it just seems like the fact that... Like, we're not processing Haley as a victim in this situation. Instead, Chris is being treated as a viable option for a corner of a love triangle. And I feel like in many ways, that's how uh, the creator of the show saw himself in many of these situations. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, like... (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, like, of course, Chris is the villain in this situation. Yes. Uh, But I just don't like how he's being treated as, like, literally, like, a viable option. The fact that Haley could go for him. Kind of like, I know we give a lot of space for Chris because we love Tyler Hilton and we love his portrayal of this character. But I feel like in this episode, I really can't stand him. And I can't, like, I can't give him the time of day, honestly. Tyler Hilton, great. We love you. <laughs> Not Chris Keller. And it also goes to show, like, there can't just be a man and a woman working together platonically. Yep. Like, why? Why does there always have to be something? Like, her music career could still, like, you know, grow with his help, but there has to be some kind of romantic thing going on. Yep. It just uh. makes me shake my head, really. Yeah, same. <laughs> Another another um, head-shaking moment, too, though. Um, so, the scene where Nathan confronts Chris, and this is another moment in the commentary that I was just, like, cringing. I'm like, oh my god. Um, apparently, a lot of fans thought that Nathan was emasculated when he uh, got with Haley, and he became soft. So, this was a good moment to see him be, like, all tough around the edges. And, you know, and Nathan says that line, oh, don't cry, Rockstar, and ruin your makeup. And I'm like, yes, it is so good to see a man be completely toxic because men should not be soft you know i'm like what like those are his exact words too like you know like fans thought like you know he became a little soft and i'm like what is wrong with a man being soft this is toxic masculinity at its finest really (laughs) it really is just because nathan has shown some emotion towards Haley and like become a better person like that makes him weaker somehow Mm-hmm. It's so messed up. It's... <laughs> and, like, so... his sensitivity, I don't know, has made him a better man. Ba- I we, think so, We go no. back to a few episodes ago when when Whitey basically tells him that, that he should be proud of the man that he's become. Yup. Oh, that's gross. That's such a gross thing that, ugh, in the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> The more we hear about stuff, we're like, oh, God, like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. Why do we, <laughs> why did you need to say that? And this is why, like, toxic masculinity is so rampant because of messages like this. Like, no, L- listen up. Like, any, any any people who are male who listen to this podcast, it's okay to be soft and sensitive. There is nothing wrong with that, okay? All right. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Uh-huh. Let's talk about Keith becoming vice president at Dan Scott Motors. <laughs> So I think this storyline is interesting because Jules played a part in his decision to accept the position. Mm -hmm. And he even has that conversation with Jules where he's basically, you know, telling her that he he's decided to stay here. And Jules is like, well, you've talked about you've 
you always light up when you talk about Charleston. And also, yep. side note, why are we still talking about Charleston? We are now on episode 10 of the season, <laughs> and that's still like a viable option to go teach there? <laughs> Like, who knows, like, how long a period of time these first ten episodes are of the season, now. for all we know, maybe it's a week, maybe it's, who, who fucking knows, Caitlin? So that, we talked about the timelines. I know, but that would mean that he's only been with Jules for, like, a week or two? Like, it has to be longer than that, you know? And then he decides to stay behind, you know? It's like, yeah, like, let's... <laughs> it, it, that was just like I was shaking my head again. I'm like, why are we still talking about Charleston? But that's a good point. I didn't even think about like why did I let that go? Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> it's like wouldn't the job have already started at this point? Come on. <laughs> He's putting jewels over the job, but I, I. It's just interesting to me that keeps in a place where he wants to work with his brother after all they've been through and all of the tension and that. That's interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, also, like, you know, let's talk about the fact that Jules, like, yeah, she was telling him, like, hey, you shouldn't take it. Like, Charles, you know, like you said, like, you always light up whenever you talk about Charleston. But she also mentions that Dan specifically, she says, don't let Dan take this away from you. And I just got to give uh, Maria Menudos like, some credit for her performance. Like, her performance is so nuanced here. Like, even when she finds out that, like, Keitha took the job, she's so taken aback. She's surprised. She's like, wow. And we'll talk about the reasons why she's feeling this way later. I love her performance in these scenes. You're right. It really is nuanced because based on the ending of this episode, you can glean why she was, like, pushing Charleston a little bit more. (laughs) Yes. It makes makes more sense. Yes. But until then, um, you know, if um, if we were the host of the Empire Diaries, which is a Vampire Diaries rewatch podcast, I would say, write this down in your Vampire Diaries, and we'll come back to it later. <laughs> do they really say that? They do say that in the podcast, yes. <laughs> write this down in your Vampire Diaries, and we'll come back. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, are we ready to move on to Lucas? Yes. And, uh, holy shit, Karen. <laughs> that performance loved it boy like seriously like i was scared (laughs) (laughs) she is so good at being like the scary mama bear i like uh, ugh it's just beautiful scott (laughs) i literally just had that as a bullet yes karen (laughs) haley's like eugene (laughs) and then i love uh, chad's like face during that scene he's like I know you can't see me, like, you know, podcast, yeah, podcasting is a very visual media, but he's like, uh, you know. Yeah. He has, like, his mouth, like, into the corners and everything. <laughs> that was, that was the a highlight, I would say, performance, because it was just so funny. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, okay. I have a lot I of things. Hale- Sorry. No, I just want to say real quick, like, as Haley's also in that scene, and <laughs> Haley's like, I'm going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that moment is just so funny. <laughs> She's like, there's something more important here going on here. I'm just I'm just going to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What were you going to say? So, I feel like I have a lot of things to say about this. First off, why did Karen not know about Dan's genetic defect? And she didn't know about the HCM test? Like, why wasn't she aware of these things about her child? Like... How, how would Nathan be the first one to know, but, like, Karen, being a mother of Lucas, would not know this? 
I'm trying hmm. to understand the logistics behind behind all of that. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, it would make a lot of sense for. Ugh, I was about to say, like maybe Dan told Keith, and then maybe Keith told Nathan. But like, why wouldn't Keith tell Lucas? <laughs> I was just thinking that. Like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. I know this is just like a technical aspect of this whole <laughs> episode or the whole storyline, but like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And obviously I understand why she wants Lucas to have it. And I think she has every right to say no more basketball until you take the test. And I think Lucas is being ridiculous for not taking the test. Yup, same. And I love how like all the guys at the River Court essentially tell him like, you know, no, Lucas, you're not playing. You got to take that test. I love how like they're even like, you know, come to come to his aid right here. And uh, like one of my favorite, not, not my favorite quote of the episode, but one of my favorite, one of my favorite lines is when uh, Nathan is yelling at Skills and he says like, you know, like, oh, so I guess why don't you just run to Nathan and then Skills uh, and then Skills says, how about you take that test and we all run together? I just really love that. It just shows, like, how much, like, you know, these people care about him. It's not about taking sides. They just want to make sure that their friend is okay. Yeah, and we find out that Nathan was the one who told Karen. Because Lucas at yes. first thought it was Dan, but Nathan was the one who ended up telling. And that that shows how much Nathan cares about Lucas, too. And mm-hmm. why is Lucas so adamant about not taking it? Like, even Nathan took it. And I feel like Nathan is more um, stubborn than Lucas is. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you agree with that? I would, yeah, I would agree, too. I feel like season two has a lot of, like, real out-of-character moments for all these characters. We're talking about Luke. You know, we already talked about Haley. I feel like uh, this moment with Lucas, too. It's just, it, it's very weird. Yeah. If I was Karen, I'd be marching home to the doctor's office immediately. Yup. Because she sure as hell can! <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> and we also, in a, in a, on another note, we also see uh, Dan talking to Lucas. He says, yeah, Lucas, after your heart stopped, what did you see? And he says, you know, when my heart failed, I saw you. Your mother can't bear to lose you, and neither can I. Oh my gosh. And then that's where that scene ends. So that's an interesting point. That's a part. That's another part where you can put out in your vampire diaries. <laughs> there needs to be a one tree hill equivalent for that. We'll come mm-hmm. up with that. We'll workshop it. Yep. <laughs> Shall we move on to talking about Brooks windshield? Yeah, we already talked about the cons- inconsistencies at the whole beginning of that storyline. <laughs> and I think Brooke is right to assume that it would be Felix because Felix is kind of volatile a little bit. <laughs> Like, yeah. And then he had reason to be upset for the from the previous episode when Brooke breaks everything off. Uh-huh. And holy fucking shit. Did you see that? I mean, I know you watched the episode, so of course you did see the scene. <laughs> but when Brooke confronts Felix about it, and Felix says, I didn't break your window, baby. Just your heart. I'm like, fuck you, dude. She broke up with you. <laughs> You did not break her heart. If anything, she broke yours. Because Brooke is fucking amazing. What is wrong with him? Honestly, Ugh. what is wrong with him? And then he like gives like a fist bounce to the guy. I'm like, how how the fuck are we supposed to like this character? I I I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know how we're supposed to like him either. Now that we've really like dissected everything <laughs> so far this season. Uh-huh. I don't really know how we're supposed to like him. I, I, I just, I, I don't know. He, ugh, ugh, he's just, <laughs> I, I don't even have 
words anymore. I feel like we've already said it all. Like he's he's just. Awful. I feel like there just needs to be like a supercut of like all of us, like us just like reacting <laughs> to like Felix be like Ugh, uh, uh. gross. <laughs> Ew. So if somebody wants to make a super cut of that, please, like, send it our way. <laughs> I would love to hear that. Oh. <laughs> um, but we learned that it's Mouth who actually broke the windshield, and he asked Lucas to pay for it. That is shocking. Yeah, and I, it was. I get that Mouth was upset about everything that happened at the formal, but at the same time, like, Mouth actually got that angry, and I know he said he was drunk and upset and everything, but, like, he got that angry to break the windshield? Yeah. The reason why I feel like I have a little bit of space for Mouth, though, is that he, I feel like he recognizes that it was wrong, and I do like that about him. And the fact that he even, like, you know, told Lucas that he was going to tell Brooke, I feel like that is wonderful. I feel like he just, need, you know, he owns up to the fact that, like, hey, he fucked up. He does own up to it. I mean, not fully, because he hasn't told Brooke yet, but... Yes, not yet. He He's making the effort to to pay for it, at least. Mm-hmm. But really, like, out of character so far about what we... With what we know about Mouth, you know? I mean, I wouldn't say it's so much out of character. I just feel like it's a new dimension to him. He's... You know, people are complicated. They can do fucked up things. They can... They can really make huge mistakes, and I feel like this is just an extra dimension to him, because, like, you know, before this, I feel like Mouth has been, like, I mean, you know, we've had issues with Mouth, but he's generally, like, the quote-unquote perfect guy. Like, he's good. And I feel like it was interesting to say that he has, like, this extra layer, this manipulative layer, this, uh, you know, this mean streak. Yeah, I, I agree with that. that. That's a good way to put it, because I feel like not a lot has been revealed about Mouth. Mm-hmm. And I get why he was upset with with everything that went down with Brooke at the formal, and Brooke basically called him um, a bad guy. Her, well, I don't know what what her exact words were, but she said like you're a guy just like all the other guys. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, you're a liar. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I can see why that would be really hurtful because that's that's not true about mouth. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I, don't think, I get that Brooke was upset that like she was deceived with the whole dollhouse and taking her home and everything, but, like, you really should direct that anger more towards Felix. <laughs> right, for sure. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, like, you know, Mouth should have done these actions or anything like that. I just say, like, it, uh, like, it, it tracks. And I'm glad that he knows that he is fucking up. Unlike Felix, who was not owning up to shit, you know? No. Although Felix was also offering to pay. Even though he just didn't smash the windshield. So that's honestly, I don't give a fucking shit. He's rich. He has the money that he could just throw away. Like, you know, probably the pay for that windshield, that's like peanuts to him. I know. I'm just saying, like, that's developing his character and make trying to make does. us now i know you don't think that but i'm saying with the writers the intention behind I'm not the writers it's you i'm yelling at felix i promise you do not take it out on me please i'm not i'm yelling at felix i love you caitlin i think the writers went the writer's intention was to make us feel for felix a little bit more and i don't yeah and then then at the same moment he's sharing that picture with his girlfriend i feel like these are weak things these are weak things that are supposed to make us feel for him but like in reality like does it really matter like oh he had another girlfriend 
Okay. He had a girlfriend and she broke his heart. Oh, that makes sense why he's a total asshole. Okay. Let's make space for him. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like Brooke doesn't fully buy it because of her reluctancy at the end, but I know we can't get to that yet. No, we cannot. <laughs> and I'm going to be bitter this whole time. <laughs> it's... <laughs> We'll be able to let loose later. Okay. It'll be great, and it'll be magical. All right. I'm ready to talk about Peyton. Uh, Peyton the, the and everything. ally. Yeah, so why do you have a question mark next to that? I want to hear your thoughts. Ugh. So, <laughs> okay. In this moment, <laughs> I'll take, like, a really long pause. I feel like there's, a, there's so much to say. Oh, my gosh. Where to begin? Um, okay, so, you know, just to, just to preface on all this, like, you know, we see, like, Peyton has a homophobic slur written on her locker, has no idea who wrote it, um, and then she shows Anna an album for a uh, NoFX song, which is called Regain and Unconsciousness. And the lyrics are as follows, and they're a little bit truncated from the original lyrics. Um, lyrics are, first they put away the dealers, then they put away the prostitutes, then they shoot away the bums, and beat and bash the queers, turned away asylum seekers, fed us suspicions and fears, we didn't raise our voice, we didn't make a fuss, it's funny, there was no one left to notice, and then Peyton finishes the sentence, when they came for us. Which, I feel like that's a very uh, powerful moment to just show like uh, Peyton's motivation, because it's not about Peyton being gay. It's about the fact that, like, you know, there are people out there who were so fucking hateful, and she needed to speak out for those marginalized individuals. And I think that's uh, that's wonderful that she did that. But that being said, why do you have a question mark next to Peyton the ally? So, like I said before, I really like that she is speaking up for marginalized people. I feel like her, like, you know, walking through with, like, her metaphorical scarlet, scarlet letter A on her chest was very powerful to see. But, like, I don't like how this is used as a vehicle to show Peyton's rebellion. So it just makes me question, like, is she doing this as a way to rebel? Or was she doing this as a way because she actually does care about marginalized identities? I feel like this would have been more impactful if this was, like... If this storyline was happening during a time when Peyton wasn't having a big depressive episode. I get that. And I was thinking that too. Like, she's dealing with a lot of trauma right now. And then mm-hmm. this incident at school is like on just being thrown on top of it. And you're right. She is kind of rebelling because she's she's in a dark place. She doesn't know who to turn to, as we see. She goes to Brooke towards the end and is really like upset. She doesn't really know what to do with herself. And she feels alone. She tells she even tells Lucas that, like, you're not even considered a friend anymore because you haven't acted like a friend. Mm-hmm. So it is it is kind of being used as a way for her to, like, she's fighting about she's fighting back. But it also she's fighting back against these oppressors who wrote this on the locker. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's kind of like fighting back or rebelling against, like, everything that's going on in her personal life. Is yeah. that how you're perceiving it? Y- yeah, because I'm like, that's, I don't think that's necessarily true allyship if you're using this as an excuse to rebel. Yeah. You know, like, how wonderful would this have been if this was, like, a late season one or something like that? Or, you know, I'm not going to talk about 
other seasons, but there there are moments when Pete actually is happy, <laughs> you know, in the show. And uh, I feel like it would have been so much better to have seen that. And that's why I got to question some of the allyship. It's a little bit, uh, ugh, it's performative in a way. Yeah, I think it could be read like that. I don't think that was the intention, but it is interesting that it's being paired with all of all of the emotional turmoil she's dealing with in mm-hmm. addition to this, you know? And then look, she ends up, you know, she ends up getting suspended. It just shows, like, like I feel like this is, like, part of, like, her, like, quote-unquote downward spiral because she's such in such a dark place. And then look what happens. Oh, like, oh, she gets suspended. Oh, and then she calls a guy to get some cocaine. You know? <laughs> that's why I feel like, you know, the fact that, like, those two specific things are being, like, paired together, that's where I feel like it's, uh, it's a little bit weird. Yeah, it's just, like, one more thing that's being added to her. Like, there's so much that's kind of piling up and piling up and piling up, and this was almost, like, the last straw, in a way, before, like, she breaks. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so my question about the shirt. Is yes. it okay for her to own that word like that? That was the thing that I was questioning before. Like, is it okay for her to own a word that's not, I don't know the best way to put it, but, like, she's not a part of that um, group, I guess. She's, yeah, she's not part of the community. Okay, I, yeah. Yeah, I understand. I don't know. I understand your concern, and, like, maybe other queer people could feel differently, differently yeah. about this. Um, because, you know, queer people are not monoliths by any means. So this is how I personally feel. And, like, please, like, queer listeners, like, if you have an opinion on this, please, like, reach out to us. Let us know how you feel. We would love to read some of your thoughts on the show. Um, but the way I looked at it is, like, Peyton essentially was the... It, it seems weird to even call her the victim because, again, she's not a member of the community. So she wasn't technically the victim of a hate crime. But she also kind of was because she was being targeted in this instance. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, her, like, you know, putting that word on her shirt, like, that just shows, like, she does not give a fuck. Like, you know, it, even if people do think that she is mm-hmm. a, a lesbian, it really doesn't fucking matter. Ooh, I, like, I like she that doesn't take. care if people think that. I like that take. Okay. I like that take, yeah. She just doesn't give a shit. And I feel like that's great to see. Yeah, she's basically saying, like, so what if I am? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, other queer people could be, could see that in the hallway and be like, wow, like, Peyton doesn't care? Like, maybe I shouldn't care either. You know, I feel like I would have liked seeing that. Like, somebody who just doesn't care if people think they're gay. And it's great. There's also a deleted scene, too, where Haley comes into Peyton's bedroom. And then Haley's like, why would you label yourself as gay when you're not? And then Peyton's like, the word was not gay. It was redacted. Yeah, I saw that scene, too. I feel like that really illustrates some of the point. Which is much different than, yeah, obviously it's a slur versus a description. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would have been wrong, too. Like, you know, somebody just said, you know, just wrote gay on her locker. Because obviously, like, the intentions behind that would have been very hateful as well. But yeah, that's how I personally saw the whole storyline so it is impactful but like i said i don't like how this is used as a vehicle for her rebellion and everything like that so that's a nuanced take personally yeah that is oh that was that's interesting stuff because like you brought up things that i hadn't really considered and the issue that i thought you had with the storyline wasn't what the issue actually was so (laughs) wait what issue did you think i would have the shirt Uh, just the word yeah no i Again, I was fine with it, yeah. but I'm not a modelist for all queer people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I want to point out. She took off yes. her shirt in the middle of the hallway. Really? Yes. Really? 
How gross. Not not for her to do it, but like the fact that the writers ugh, wrote that in. Yes. You know, like these yeah. are teenagers. You are correct. Yeah. And did she really have to, you know, did she really have to wear like a bra that shows like very visible cleavage? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, did she, I mean, she wasn't, I'm not saying she was like looking sexy. And obviously women can wear like whatever the fuck they want to, like underneath their clothes, everything like that. But like, you know, these are also like writers, very male writers who are like putting this uh, storyline in. Like, she could have been wearing a sports bra. So I don't want to be, I feel like I need to fact check myself, but I'm pretty sure Hillary Burton has an issue with that whole scene. I'm pretty sure I've read that, and I I know they'll get to it, obviously, on Drama Queens. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, in the commentary, actually, the the creator of the show apparently had a conversation with her, telling her, like, you know, oh, it's not about you taking off your shirt, it's about you standing up to oppression. And, like, honestly, like, you know, all these years later, I definitely take that with a fucking grain of salt, because... Who knows, like, what was going on behind the scenes. She could have just walked out of the school and said, fine, suspend me. Hmm. That's an alternate way. That could have been, yeah. And that could have been just right. as powerful without semi-nudity. Was, like, why? It's for drama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It just goes to show you what these actresses went through. Like, that's just one example of yeah, what for they sure. went Because I, I know, just based on the fact that, like, how the three women talk about like some of their experiences i know they would not have liked that scene for sure yeah and yeah speaking of speaking of men being terrible and evil i love the line that brooke says with men like that in the world it's a wonder we're not gay (laughs) (laughs) she's talking about feelings and i just i just fucking love that and you know what that is so true like this is why, like, sexuality obviously is not a choice. Like, honestly, like, would you, could you imagine, like, actively choosing to be with a man, like, in this if, political climate? If they were all what? like that? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, like, could you just imagine, like, being with a man by choice? <laughs> no. Absolutely not. And I'm just saying that, like, you know, as a, you know, as a, as a queer person too, like, you know, just because I'm attracted to men doesn't mean I actually like men. Let's be honest here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're not all bad. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, I'm I'm kidding. Like, you know, there are some men who are good, you know, but you gotta like count them on your fingers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. Anyway, are we done talking about the homophobia and everything and all the... Okay, um, but when Peyton ends up going to Brooke, and um, I like when Brooke's like, I should be stronger than this, you know, I should, and I don't want to be a person that that, that needs help, but I, I feel all alone. And uh, that line, like, really resonated for me, because I feel like anybody could be like that. Like, sometimes when, you know, you're at the end of your rope, and you feel like you have nobody to turn to, and it's, like, so hard to ask for help, and asking for help makes you weak, it does not, it makes you strong. Oh, Ask for help is honestly one of the strongest things you can do as a human being, and I just want to implore everybody to do that. Yeah, if you think about how hard it is to do that, that should really show you the strength that you have if you have the courage to do it, you know, to reach out to someone. And the fact that Peyton goes to Brooke, that is that shows so much fucking strength. It just was bad timing because of, once again, Felix. <laughs> God. I don't think we even need to go into it because it's just like, oh, God. Yes, Felix is there. He ruins fucking everything. Whatever. But let's move on. So uh, we see Lucas have a sets of scenes with both Brooke and Peyton. 
which those are both scenes, both sets of scenes that we can like put down in our vampire diaries for later. I know there's some stuff going on. Like it's if you compare this to season one versus now, like these scenes are very different vibes. Mm-hmm. Like with the whole Peyton thing, I touched on that earlier, how she basically told Lucas that you're not a friend anymore. Like you don't qualify as a friend because you haven't been there for me. We don't even talk yeah. anymore. And the vibes going on with Brooke and Lucas, there seems to be some chemistry going on, at least on the end of Brooke. In that moment when Lucas had pulled up to pick up Anna, mm-hmm. and Brooke was hugging, about to hug Lucas, but then Anna was there, and then he like kissed her real fast. It was like, oh, I felt for Brooke in that moment. Yeah, like, it looks like Brooke and Lucas are about to kiss right there, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just, like, the way they were, like, leaning into each other, I feel like, you there know, was something going Brooke on. was, like, getting caught up in the moment, you know? And Brooke has so many good scenes with Lucas, so, like, I love how, like, when she decides to walk to school with him, she says that she misses just talking to him. I know, that was cute. It was so cute. Well, think about it. he just dropped her off, and now she's already popping by. <laughs> <laughs> what? And somehow, like, you know, her her perfectly curly hair from the formal is now straight. And it's it just looks fine now. Like, I just can't. They only did that so they could throw all this stuff in the mid-season finale. Or the winter the winter finale or whatever you want to call it. But also, did they have to make this take place the morning after? <laughs> I know. They couldn't have made like given it an extra day, like in between it all. I don't get it. Exactly. Um, but we also see, uh, you know, to, to go back to the moment you were talking about with uh, Peyton, um, Peyton says, a real friend would have known about all the crap I've been dealing with lately. And then Lucas asks, like, what? And I just love that he asks that. Like, in such, like, an empathetic way. He, he, it shows that he really does care about Peyton and wants to know what is going on through her head. And, you know, this is when he, uh, he figures out that Peyton misses Jake and Jenny. I'm going to give Lucas some more credit here. Peyton has also internalized all of these these um, problems that she's dealing with. She's internalized so much of it. Because whenever you mm-hmm. see her, like, contemplating everything, she's by herself drawing in her bedroom or she's alone. So I'm not surprised that Lucas didn't know everything that was going on with her. You know, how she was feeling about Jake and the drugs and all that stuff. Even Brooke wasn't, I feel like, 100% privy to some of the stuff that's going on either. Yeah. You know, that's why, like, it was such a surprise when, like, Peyton was coming to her, like, crying on her shoulder. And Brooke's like, no, like, what's going on? Like, talk to me. Like, mm, just breaks my fucking heart. And, you know, I know Peyton was, she had these really dark moments in season one, but watching the past few episodes, especially this one, she's in a darker place than I think she's ever been. And I don't think I had ever realized that before. But it's true. Like, she's really suffering. It's because it's hard for her to just talk about all this stuff. And like I've said, I'm pretty sure either I said it or you said it in previous episodes. Like, the fact that it's like a bunch of small things, I feel like that makes it harder to talk about. Because I feel like you could, like, dismiss something as like, oh, just a small issue. But when they're all happening to you at the same time, like, life can be fucking hard. Yeah, it's a lot to balance and think about like she's supposed to be a teenager <laughs> in the <this> show <laughs> like that's a lot to process for even an adult let alone a teenager yeah i really fail for her um but yeah lucas has these seeds with both women and then we see him have a conversation with nathan nathan essentially tells lucas like hey there's a girl that you're into 
and you need to talk to her. And then you're like, hmm, is there a girl that Lucas is into? <laughs> I don't know. What did Nathan notice about Lucas to make him think that? <laughs> I don't okay. know. <laughs> I'm like, did I miss something or forget something? Because in the moment, I was like, what is he really like? Where is he getting that from? I have no idea, but whatever. It kicks off the coda, and I know that's what we really want to talk about, so let's just move on. Oh my gosh, finally! (laughs) So, the song is 23 by Jimmy World. This is my favorite musical moment. I don't even care about jumping ahead. This is so fucking iconic, Caitlin. Okay, if this is not your favorite musical moment of this episode, like, you have a problem, I'm sorry to offend anyone, but you have a problem. (laughs) This is the best coda, I feel like, of the entire series. It is such a beautiful montage. I mean, once I watch the whole series again, I can say that for sure, but it is definitely like a top five, (laughs) for sure. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, I remember this one vividly out of like any code I like out there. Like, this is the one that like I always fucking return to. That song is so, oh my God, I get all the feels. As soon as like the beginning notes of that song, I I just get all the feels. I, Mm -hmm. it is so powerful. And also one thing I wanted to note, they play the entire song. It's a seven minute yeah, and it's change like seven minutes. song. <laughs> yeah. I, it's crazy. <sighs> wow. But anyway, okay. let's read this in our in a most dramatic fashion. Let's talk about everything that happens in this coda. We see Peyton is driving her car to a destination. Where is she going? Well, we know she called Rick, so she's obviously going there. But where is she meeting him? <laughs> You should have seen Jeremy's face just now. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. (laughs) I mean, that podcast is such a visual medium. (laughs) All right. Felix tells Brooke he wants to be with her. He says, I never once took you for granted. Not for a second. (laughs) I'm sorry, but, like, ugh, I- I'm not sorry, honestly. Michael Copot is a terrible actor in these scenes. <laughs> Brooke is, like, Sophia Bush is, like, chewing him away with, like, her very subtle, nuanced facial expressions. She is, like, eating him up. And so, I'm just saying. <laughs> the, this, this moment is so, like... You could tell she's uncomfortable. She's so uncomfortable. And he's just, like, going on and sharing his feelings. Yeah. Well, I feel like the way the writers intended it, it's like, you know, she's uncomfortable because of, like, the idea of opening up her heart to someone. Of course, we feel another type of way based on what we know about life and about men in general. But whatever. We cut to Mouth is sitting alone on the river court. Yeah, that's all all that you get from him. He's just contemplating everything. And I guess he's working up the courage to tell Brooke mm-hmm. the truth. Deb, coming out of literally nowhere, <laughs> <laughs> enters Karen's house and tells her friend that she lied and that she did sleep with Keith. Dun, dun, dun. Seriously, where the fuck did she come from? <laughs> they just needed to throw in another scene for this long coda because they had a long song, so they had to fill it up. Fill it up. <laughs> 
Like, it's just so funny, though, because, like, literally, Deb had no other scenes in this entire episode. I checked. I'm like, what, like, where else does she talk in this episode? She's not there. And I was hoping, like, maybe there's a deleted scene with her. Maybe there's, like, a whole missing subplot. No, there's nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah, she just randomly worked up the courage to finally tell Karen the truth. Yeah. No build. I mean, go tab for telling the truth, but no build up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think about that every time I watch this episode. I'm like, Deb, where the fuck did you come from? <laughs> That's funny. Her, her, she only had one scene in the whole episode that she had to yeah. film. <laughs> but on a different note, we see Keith calls Jules and tells her that he loves her. We then see Jules is listening to the message. Holy shit. Dan is with her and he's chuckling maniacally. And he's like, nice work, Jules. Just like we planned. Um, what is Jules doing? Uh, so she looks kind of guilty. Like, she has a guilty expression on her face, which kind of makes sense, like, you know, why she feels weird in the previous scenes. But seriously, what is happening here? All I gotta say is this is one of the biggest twists of the whole <laughs> freaking show. And I remember watching this, like, I had already watched, I guess, some of the seasons, and then I... I'd watched three and maybe four, and then I went back, like, this was my original watch. And then I went back to see seasons one and two. And I remember watching this, I was like, my mouth was open. I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I could just feel my stomach drop. This scene, like, every time it gets me. What? Dan is working with jewels? Just like they planned? Yep. I mean, I know I t- we touched on this in a spoiler segment a while ago, but at some point, it might have been even last... Well, no, it wouldn't have been last season. It would have been early this season. But, like, this is, like, crazy... A crazy twist. A crazy <laughs> twist. I love it so much. This is, like, peak soap opera shit right here. It really is. <laughs> and it... You know, and it makes sense. I'm pretty sure, like, I've said this at uh, previous episodes. Like, maybe during... I don't know if it was during a spoiler segment or if it was, like, in the space of an actual episode. But, like, it makes sense why Jules is so perfect. Like, it just seems like she could do no wrong. And I feel like they were always building up to, like, what was happening here. I know. And she also came out of nowhere. She just showed up one day at the dealership. And she knows that she has all this knowledge about cars and everything like that. Was that knowledge being fed to her from Dan? True. It's... Obviously, very complicated, but it seems like Jules is, like, feeling guilty. Like, she, you know, it's not like she's, like, giggling maniacally with Dan. Like, there's something here. And, you know, again, Maria Menounos, her performance, I feel like it's just really top tier. (laughs) There's so much nuance here, so much ambiguity, and I really love it. I know. What is really going on? And you're right, there is some Mm -hmm. guilt, and those scenes earlier make make a lot more sense now that we we see this reveal at the end. All right. Lucas breaks up with Anna and says, there's somebody else and she's a part of my history that came before you and I've been lying to myself about the way I feel about her and I need to see her tonight because I feel like she's slipping away. I'm sorry, Anna. Who the heck is this girl? (laughs) This came out of nowhere too. It's not Anna, we know. It's part of his history that came before her. I don't know why that line is just so dumb to me. <laughs> she's she's part of my history that came before you. I'm like, that's yeah, that's what that's what history is, uh, Luke. I guess that's why they put scenes for, um, scenes Lu- where Lucas was with Brooke, and then Lucas was also with Peyton. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, no, that's yeah, that's totally I didn't even think think of that. Um because obviously I know the ending of the episode where it ends up being Brooke, but Spoiler We're almost there. <laughs> Alright. Um, but yeah, like, and there's even like some like really interesting camera work to like uh, to, to go back to like the beginning of the coda when Nathan tells Lucas that um, you know there's a girl he's into and he needs to talk to her. You notice it cuts to Peyton driving in the car, and then same thing right here as well. Um, Lucas says like, "Oh, there's this girl. I, I think she's slipping away." Then it cuts to Peyton again. They're really trying to like sell that like, oh, it could be Peyton, and we see Peyton is meeting Rick to buy cocaine. But then, you see a guy enter from off camera. We see his feet. Then it cuts back to Rick and Peyton. Rick is like, you know, this guy. We then see the guy's body. Then it cuts back to Peyton's face. Is it Lucas? Is she looking at Lucas? No. We come We come back to the guy's face, and it is Jake motherfucking Jagalski. And I know Jenna Lenskold, you are freaking out about this as well, because seriously, this is so fucking good. I get chills every time I see this scene. I love it so much. I know, you made yourself read that one. I bet you, like, because we're alternating back and forth, I bet you made you made sure that you had that part. Honestly, it just, it, it came out very organically. Like, I, I definitely wanted to say that, read, describe that scene, but... I t- it came out about organically. I was like, oh, cool. Like, I didn't even have to try there. <laughs> I know. What a twist. Because, like, Jake literally comes out of nowhere. And the past few episodes, Peyton has been thinking about him and Jenny. And she's sad about it that they left. And now Jake's here. Like, that was a perfect time for him to come back. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. It's one thing after the next with this coda. Like, I, I can't believe they fit all of this in it. I cry and just smile every time I see this scene. Like, it's just like, oh, you're such a sight for sore eyes, Jake. It's oh so God. good. What happens next? I, we can talk about this <laughs> for the rest of the episode, but, you know, let's, you know, what happens next? Nathan is waiting for Haley at home for dinner and smiles. And then it cuts to Chris Keller at the bus station. And then Haley meets Chris there. Chris nods to her and says, I knew you'd come. And then Haley responds. I I was on my way home to Nathan, and I just ended up here. We did hear the intercom announce, Number 42, now departing for New York City, Gate 5. Chris is like, you ready? And then Haley looks up. What will she say? Is she going to go with him? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. And we had to wait two months in real time. Like, I wasn't watching this in real time, but... <laughs> yeah, I wasn't either. Two months. And I'm like, thank goodness I wasn't. Two months you had to wait for this. The next episode. <sighs> All right. Felix tells Brooke that he'll guard her heart with his life. And Brooke is like, okay. They kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it was really like a really reluctant okay. Really Ugh. reluctant. I feel bad it for is. her. I think she feels forced into this a little bit. Again, I don't think that's the... It's definitely not the intention. But I feel like if Brooke was like a real, actual person, she would not be with this guy. She would not give the guy the time of day whatsoever. Yeah. And it's not It's not even about the fact that, like, you know, she has, like, you know, she has issues with, like, a broken heart or anything. I feel like just in general, she would not give this guy the time of day because she deserves so much better than she's, him. She's so much better than him. Yep. 
You know who was so much better for her? It's the guy at her door. It's Lucas watching upon this scene. And it looks like Lucas was going to talk to Brooke because he had feelings for her. <laughs> You're crying even more about this one. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. He has feelings for Brooke. And this is the birth of my personal Brooke's shit. This is when I became a fan. And oh, same. It's just so sad. And then the episode ends. And then we had to wait two months. Two months. Well, y'all won't have to l- wait two months to hear our next episode, so. No, you will not. And if you're straight, if you're binging it, you also do not have to wait <laughs> yeah. two months either. The beauty of streaming. <laughs> you can watch it right afterwards, which is great. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, we'll react to some of these uh, um, reveals in the spoiler segment. But so like, let's talk about some of our top favorite moments. What is your favorite quote? So I liked what Peyton said to Anna. Anna, it's not about who I am, okay? It's about who they are. They are people who hate and they divide and they feed off of people who don't fight back. Yeah, I could laugh this off. But what about the girl who can't? Who's going to help her? Silence only makes them stronger. I thought that was a really powerful moment. Yeah. Like, super powerful moment of just showing another example of Peyton standing up. Yeah, it's the truth. It's uh, Peyton being a questionable ally. <laughs> I do think Peyton is an ally in this instance, but it's just the way the storylines juxtapose with everything else. Like I said, I'm not going to repeat myself. Yeah, the intent is for her to be an ally, but I can see what you mean. How they paired everything together. But For sure. What was your favorite quote? Oh, grow up! That tragic hero crap only works in the movies. And you know what they don't show you after they fade out? The hero's mother putting her foot up his ass. <laughs> That's my honorable mention. So good. <laughs> so good. I just fucking love her. And she's like slamming the drawer. She's like, I sure as hell can! <laughs> <laughs> Musical moment we already talked about. It's just we don't need to explain it. It's it's just iconic. <laughs> it's super iconic. You're right, Ed. I give this episode five out of five broken windshields. Okay. I know that there are some issues, but oh, the coda like makes up for it. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, here's okay. So here's my deal with this. Um. I, I've said several times, like, uh, leading up to this episode, I'm like, oh, there is at least one episode with Felix that will get a five out of five because it's so good. And I gave the last episode a five out of five, I know, which I wasn't expecting to do. Um, but this was actually the episode I was thinking of that would get a five out of five. And again, you're saying the coda makes up for it. I don't know. I feel like Dakota is the only thing I ever remember from this episode. Yeah, that's true. That's why I'd be like, I gotta give it four out of five out of nowhere cliffhangers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they really were. <laughs> Talking to you, Zeb. <laughs> I get that. I was kind of between a four and a five, and I'm like, oh, this coda is so good. I, I just, I have to give it a five. Yeah. You, you know what would have made it not an out of nowhere cliffhanger? What? If Zeb came to Karen, it was just like, Karen, I'm in love with you. I want to be with you. And then there was the cliffhanger right there. How will Karen respond? I can't with you. I really can't. <laughs> <laughs> you you slipped that in there. Yup. I, I had to. You know me. <laughs> you slipped that in there. <laughs> Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. 
And I'm Caitlin Elinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. Uh, we're just going to squeal about everything in this coda. <laughs> There's just so much in that coda. So much. I am so excited. I, I'm going to agree with you. This is where I started to like Brooke and Lucas too. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Can you repeat that? <laughs> I have said this before that I do like them in se- from season two into season three. I have said it before. <laughs> I know, I just like hearing it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's leading you to like them. And I feel like there's way more chemistry from this point on than there ever was in season one. It definitely makes it a little bit more valid with the whole love triangle aspects that they're really trying to sell here. And of course, like we know that he ends up going with Peyton, like Peyton ends up being his forever person. But, like, these seasons just make Brooke into such a viable option. And I love that. Because whereas in season one, it didn't really feel like a love triangle. I felt like she was just more of a distraction. She was, like, an inconvenience. Yeah, it wasn't like the chemistry wasn't equal amongst the two couples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a distraction. She was she was used as, like, almost a device to, like, pull Lucas and Peyton away. And Yeah. Yeah, it, it just added to the drama of it all. And this, yeah, you're you're right. It it makes Brooke a viable option, and I feel like she she definitely wasn't in season one for sure. And that moment, like like I explained earlier, where they were hugging, and like then Anna started to walk up. There was like such there was such a tension there. It was done really well, and it's like it makes you think for a second. Huh? I wonder if you know. Like, could this lead to something else? And I genuinely, like, I love it the rest of the season, and I like how it goes into season three, and I'm I'm going to be interested to see... Oh, see season three again. I'm really going to be interested to, to see how I view everything. Season three is going to be such, like, a peak for us, I feel like. Ooh. Oh, my God. I've always loved season three the most. Always. Yes, absolutely. But for now, Brooke is with Felix. And I just gotta say, like, especially, like, obviously, like, you know, we don't like Felix in general, but I feel like knowing what we know, how it turns out that he's the guy who wrote the homophobic slur on Peyton's locker, like, watching this episode is, like, really hard, because, like, he literally did that, like, like a day or two before he's telling all this stuff to Brooke, and we're still supposed to like him. I know. One second, he's the sensitive guy, and then another, he's doing that? Yeah. And I get that people are, like, multidimensional, but, like, that's really extreme. Yeah, like, I guess, like, you know, big homophobic assholes can feel love for other people. <laughs> I 
guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> People are complicated. I get that. The fact that these things, like you said, are going on at the same time, basically. Yeah. That makes no sense. Like, what? Ugh. I wonder if they knew that, uh, like, did the writers know that Felix was the one who did this at this point in the I show? Wonder. Or was that just a convenient way to write him out later on? Yeah, I wonder if they were ever going to even reveal who did it. Yeah. Because then they, like, they didn't have to reveal who did it. It could have literally just been, like, this really, like, um, abstract idea yeah. of just, you know, it's like somebody was somebody was so full of hatred, they did it. You didn't really have to know who it was. So just feel like, you know, was it convenient to just have him do it? Or was it planned all along? I have no idea. I would love to know the inside scoop about that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I feel like we could go off into the Haley and Chris thing. But, like, maybe we should wait. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we'll have plenty of feelings to, like, talk about, like, as that storyline develops. But in a few episodes, Nathan and Haley temporarily break up. We know that. And I don't... uh, It's been years since I've seen those episodes, because I still haven't watched the rest of season two yet. So I still need to, like, really formulate my feelings on that (laughs) right now. So I don't know if I'm fully equipped to talk about that in a spoiler segment. Yeah, I, I like to see how it all pans out again, too, and really think about. Yeah the progression of the whole storyline. But, um, yeah, I don't like the fact that, like, Haley is, like, made to choose between the two. And I know we've kind of already touched on that. But in the end, everything ends up being okay. <laughs> yeah. Haley's with Nathan, <laughs> and she still has the same career. Um, later on, at least. More so. Yes, in the later seasons. Uh, I can't wait till season seven when we see her in her elements. I know. Doing USO shows and shit. There's some good stuff. Even I think season five too, right? See, I, there, oh, feel there's, this. There's some songs. Feel this, yeah. That's an iconic song. What else is there to talk about? I mean, Jules. Yeah, the Jules and Keith thing is like a big soap opera thing. That's really what it is. It's just a big soap opera moments. And like... Jules allows it to get to the point where, like, they're getting married. Yep. That would have been so interesting if they had developed that even further. Like, I don't know. To see her, like, stick around, you know, like, you know, obviously, like, you know, she was manipulative in this instance, but I I genuinely do buy that she did fall in love with him. I buy that, too. And it's clear as as the season progresses that she feels bad for what she did. And she was really, like, in a vulnerable place. I think she had... I think this is revealed at some point, I think when Lucas finds out about the whole Jules thing. Remember, he finds out before Keith, well before Keith does. Yes. And um, I think Jules was leaving like an abusive relationship and she had no money. Then that's not a reason to be doing something like this (laughs) for money. But um, she had a reason. Yeah. I don't, I have a vague recollection of it, but when we revisit these episodes, I'm sure we'll find out and I'll have like a more uh, opinion, but... Damn. As I said on Twitter very recently, Montreal Hill is a very good show. Oh, it is. I just gotta say, like, it's just the heart of the show that brings you back. The heart brings you back, you know? I see what you did there. (laughs) Which is also the title of Season 2, Episode 11, which we will be discussing in our next episode. And taken from our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads, Return to Tree Hill. Haley's irresponsible sister Taylor moves in with a young couple, putting more strain on their strained marriage. And Peyton's world brightens when Jake turns up with an unexpected request. We'll be seeing ya.